This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Before we get into today's episode, I have a bunch of business to go through. Not that much business, uh, but it's been a... Long, rough week, and if you're listening to this as it goes up, thank you so much for taking time out of your assuredly stressful lives right now to listen to the podcast and hopefully unwind and have a good time, which I know is going to happen because we have a good episode for y'all today. Great episode. Uh, But before we get into all that, I just want to run through some things. Uh, First of all, my guest Alejandro Arbona is from Puerto Rico, and... Because of that, I definitely want to direct every single listener to his Twitter page, uh, twitter.com slash Alejandrobot, where you can get a list of places that you can donate to help out with the relief efforts in Puerto Rico. Definitely check out the hispanicfederation.org, donate there, and then, of course, go to Alejandrobot on Twitter. His pinned tweet has a list of all places you can donate to, and I will be retweeting it on the Must Have Seen TV account at Must Have Seen TV, and then also repeating it again at the end of the show. Uh, On another note, uh, we lost two people this week that are very important to me, and I just want to offer up uh, viewing suggestions if you are looking to mourn or celebrate uh, the lives of Monty Hall and Tom Petty. Uh, Monty Hall, the host of Let's Make a Deal, was a major part of my college experience. I obviously love old game shows, and watching Let's Make a Deal during the summer was a big deal for me. Monty Hall was my avatar on many a message board. I had a vintage Let's Make a Deal board game that was a decoration in my uh, home in college. So if you want to, uh, you can actually stream the Odd Couple episode that actually features Felix and Oscar going on Let's Make a Deal. That episode is, of course, called Let's Make a Deal, and it's in Season 3. It's Episode 20, and you can actually stream that on Hulu. Uh, We also lost Tom Petty this week, and I am actually very surprised at how um, upset I've been over it, uh, because I didn't really discover his music until college or after... Uh, but specifically the songs Learning to Fly and I Won't Back Down mean a lot to me, and I've definitely gotten emotional on the subway listening to those songs, and I'm not sorry, other subway passengers. I have emotions. (laughs) Um, But if you want to, you can check out the Scrubs Season 3 premiere, uh, 
which is on Hulu, and you can watch that there. Um, you can also watch the series finale of The Larry Sanders Show, which actually features Tom Petty in it as an actor. Uh, you can stream that on HBO uh, Go and HBO Now. Um, and it has a really great dig at Greg Kinnear that I highly <laughs> recommend you see. And then, of course, uh, King of the Hill. Tom Petty voiced characters on King of the Hill as well. Um, so, yeah, please donate to Puerto Rico. Please take time for yourself this week also to just deal with all of your stress and i am very grateful that you have chosen this podcast to be a part of that stress and if you're listening to this years in the future hopefully there's still an earth years in the future that you're listening to this on and i hope things are a lot better and i hope that you are having a great day um uh, yeah so let's go on and get into this episode it's a lot of fun i had a lot of fun with alejandro and i am excited for all of y'all to start running this holiday gauntlet right now Feel the calcified fingers of death wrap around your heart as you enter the must-have scene TV holiday gauntlet Halloween. This is the audio tone dedicated to droll tales of yesteryear from the Adams Family to the new Adams Family. I'm your TV guiding spirit, Brett White, and running the holiday gauntlet this week is comic book editor Alejandro Albona. How's it going? Good, good, thank you. That was my thriller laugh. Yes, yes. Uh, this is a theatrical. Welcome to the very first episode of Holiday Gauntlet. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited <laughs> to run this uh, holiday gauntlet with you, with me. Um, yeah. So, listeners, if you don't know what the holiday gauntlet is, because I haven't been talking about it enough, we're doing four episodes about Halloween in October, followed by three episodes about Thanksgiving in November, and then a week off, and then four episodes about Christmas last week of November and the first three weeks of December. I'm very excited because sitcoms are all about holiday episodes. That's what I love about them. Um, so yeah, we're getting into Halloween today. I wanted to ask, what is your history with Halloween? Uh, you know, I grew up in Puerto Rico, which is uh, going through some very rough times right oh, now. God, so yeah, please. I'm so sorry. <laughs> 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 please look at my Twitter for information on how to donate. No, we'll get into that later. But um, no, I grew up in Puerto Rico, and it was always a very exciting holiday there, much as it is here. Kids trick-or-treating, there was all of that. So it was always... A lot of fun to dress up in costumes and go trick-or-treating and go to Halloween parties. Yeah. I'm very proud of my Halloween costume. Uh, fourth grade at school, we had a Halloween uh, costume contest, and I had this really gnarly headless man costume that my mom helped me make. Oh, make? And I won, yeah, make. Oh, that's good. And uh, yeah, we won best uh, costume. I say we because she really did most of the work. I, I conceptualized and she <laughs> and she designed. So as a kid, were you more of a like store-bought or always making your shit? I think mostly making, because in hindsight, most of the costumes I've loved to wear have been actually like characters from things that I like, especially yeah. in adulthood. Yeah. Characters from TV and movies and cartoons. But even in childhood, like uh, when I look back at family Halloween pictures, most of my costumes were like a lion, which was, a, I think, a homemade costume <laughs> one year, or like Peter Pan one year. And, uh, and then once I got into, you know, once I, once I sort of came into my own, then it was like, once you I want to be, funding. Once you started bankrolling it yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then it was like, I, I think fourth grade was that, that was the first year that I actually had my own costume idea, which was, I want to be a gnarly headless man. Yeah. And we, we went all out. We Knocked had, that a, out we had a severed, severed head that was, had like, was like dripping blood and, uh, 
uh, a shirt that I wore over my head that my mom sort of made eye holes in with like white pantyhose so I could oh, see through it. Oh, nice. It was awesome. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I was always a homemade Halloween costume person because my mom is a crafty sewer type person. So we would always go, I remember we would go to Walmart and they had like the big crafting sections in Walmart. And so you would, I would sit at the stool uh, that's, that was in the crafting section and I would go through the big book of all the costumes and pick out the one I wanted and stuff. Um, the one that I was the biggest headache was, I guess in 1989, I wanted to be Batman, because Batman mm -hmm. just came out, mm -hmm. but I wanted to be Batman 66, because oh, that's yeah. what I already loved was that, and so yeah. I thought that the movie Batman was like an aberration. I was like, well, that was a good movie, but why is he in all black? <laughs> Batman <laughs> is blue and gray. Clearly this dark Batman trend will not last. No, yeah, no not important. And so my, I remember my mom <laughs> begging me, like, because she could not find the right shades of blue and gray. And mm -hmm. her being like, Batman wears all black. Why can't you just... I was like, no! Mine is blue and gray! And She's she like, found I, it. I've already vacuum molded this hard plastic <laughs> costume for you. <laughs> I think the pattern that we found was a Batman 66 pattern. Like, it, it didn't... Yeah, it wasn't plastic molding or nothing, so... Mm. Although I don't... They, they still don't make that kind of shit for kids, right? Big plastic costumes with big rubber bodies yeah, and nipples. With bad nipples. Oh, gross. Uh, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, and you're still into Halloween now as an adult. Very much, yeah. And I try to, like I said before, I try to always make my own costumes and I try to always make them characters from things that I like. For example, last year, last year I had a costume I was really proud of and I didn't really get to show it off anywhere, so I might recycle it this Wait, what year. What was it last year? It was Guy Incognito from The Simpsons. Oh. I was wearing a. a I was wearing a tuxedo and a red tie and a top hat and I had a mustache. Man. And it was my my exact double. That is the that's the weird thing about being an adult is not having a place to wear the costumes too. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean like when I first moved to New York I was, you know, I was heavily involved with UCB and so the Upright Citizens Brigade would have Halloween parties every year. And so that was like cool, like I know where I'm going. This is good. But then they stopped being able to have parties at the theater. Um this is now probably eight years ago this is now a long time ago i guess Ugh. so now every halloween it's like where am i going i'm going to be going all out on this costume where am i going to wear it to uh that reminds me it's funny we were just talking about this off mic but that a year ago today was thanks to facebook memories i know that a year ago today was the day that i thought <laughs> back to the year i think 2009 uh yeah Yes, 2009, 2009. I got to go to a UCB party with uh, that was that was uh, there were a couple of years that I was hanging out a lot with uh, Jesse Falcon, mm -hmm. and I think we spent two or three Halloweens together, and he brought me out to the UCB Halloween parties, and the first one I went to, I was dressed as Joel from Mystery Science yes. Theater 3000. And uh, and I met someone who was dressed as Banshee in this homemade Banshee costume, From and I was like, "Yeah!" And I was like, "That costume is awesome. Can I take a picture?" And this person struck a dramatic pose. <laughs> yeah, who knows how many details that point. <laughs> so uh... I took that picture, and then last year, a year ago today, thanks to Facebook, was I was just sitting around the house, and I remembered that costume, and I thought, "My God, that person was Brett White." <laughs> Like, I realized it then, but I 
at that time I didn't know you yet, and I don't yeah. think we met. We, we didn't meet for maybe a, a two couple, or three years, yeah, a years after that. After that. <laughs> yeah. But then as soon as I re- remembered that costume and I remembered the face of the person, I was like, that was Brett. That's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. And then uh, I dug through my pictures and I found it and it was totally you. Yeah, that was, I mean, I think it's still a crowning achievement in my Halloween costumes. Well, I don't know how to sew. So it's always, for a while it was what superhero has really color blocked like body suits that I can just buy pieces of and mm-hmm. assemble. Mm-hmm. Um, Big disco collar. Yeah, yeah, I had I bought a polo shirt, bought a yellow polo shirt and cut it in the V. So <laughs> and then I like velcroed it to the like low cut uh I guess unitard or whatever. Um because Banshee has his it's open so you can see his chest hair because it's a very 70s costume. So I was like, well, I have to get a unitard that like comes down. Uh, and then I, that, that cape was a pain to make because it was like yellow fabric. I got black duct tape and like made the stripes. Then I had to run Velcro. I had to get my friend Nicole Dressel to to sew Velcro strips to it so I could Velcro the cape. It was a lot. Um, oh my god! But it was worth it. It was a great costume. So like this is this is the context that we are coming at. Oh yeah, <laughs> Halloween in the year after that. I went to the UCB party again, and this time I was the moon from the Mighty Boosh. Oh yeah, and I had this homemade moon head that completely concealed my features. So at the end of the night, I I ripped the when we were all gonna go home. I ripped the whole moon head off, and then I started talking to people that I had been hanging out with all night, and they didn't recognize me. They were like, why did this guy just suddenly come walk into our group? And I was like, I was like, no, it's me. It's Alejandro. This is like, I remember Jesse's, uh, I think then girlfriend who is now his wife and they have two kids together. Oh wow. Yeah. She was like, hello. And I was like, it's me, Alejandro. And she was like, oh my God, I didn't, you took the head off. I didn't recognize you. And I was like, I'm wearing a, I'm wearing head to toe white. I'm wearing a white suit with a white shirt and white shoes. Yeah. It's not, (laughs) the face is not the only thing here. Uh, yeah, this week. On Must Have Seen TV, we are traveling to October 30th, 1996. Appropriately, Dracula Dead and Loving It rolled the box office. Wow. Uh, not as appropriately, the Macarena, the Bayside Boys remix by Los Del Rio topped the charts. And NBC aired the news radio episode Halloween. Alejandro, you must have seen Halloween before. I saw it the night it aired. Yeah. And I've seen it a few times since when I've done a news radio rewatch a couple of times. And I watched it yesterday, and I watched it today. <laughs> so. It's still good after all these, all these times. What is your history with news radio? Were you a fan from episode one? Yes. Well, oh, I, wow. was a huge, I was a huge Kids in the Hall fan before that, even. Mm. So after Kids in the Hall, I, I, if I remember correctly, Kids in the Hall ended, and news radio started the very following year. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I think it started in 94, early 95, I think. Right around then, yeah. Or something like that. It's literally within the same year or one or or like back to back years. So as soon as as soon as I mean that was the time of I was I was a teenager, I was watching a lot of T V to begin with. I used to watch all musty TV. Yeah. You know, all of all those shows. So definitely I have my I've put in my hours watching Just Shoot Me and all <laughs> yeah, that and kind of stuff. Susan, yeah, Susan, Truth. Yeah, and Caroline in the City and everything. But, yeah, uh, guy. Oh, so good. No, but, but so News Radio came along and I was excited to watch it. Number one, because it had Dave Foley in it, who yeah. I loved from The Kids in the Hall. Number two, it had Phil Hartman in it, and that was amazing. And then number three, I was just going to watch it anyway because I watched all those NBC shows. Yeah. And did you stick with it throughout all five seasons? I actually stopped watching it. In part because of, you know, personal anguish, I stopped watching it when uh, when Phil Hartman died. Yeah, the last season. And so I, I don't think I ever watched the episode that he, that Bill McNeil oh, that, dies yeah, in. Yeah, that's a... 
And I've never watched anything after that. Even to this day, I've still never watched it. Doing a rewatch, because I remember I watched it when it aired, because I love news radio as it aired. Um, I probably covered this in our previous news radio episode. I don't know. Um, with Curtis Rutherford. Go back and listen to that one. Uh, but I did, I love news radio. I remember where I was when I found out that he had been killed. And I remember I watched that last season. At the time, I remember it being like awful. I hated it. Like, John Lovett's bad. This is horrible. I've done like two rewatches since then, and both times I've rewatched season five, it has been like less bad than I remember. Hmm. There's actually there are some good moments in it. It's a fine season. Um, they, it, it is missing. Of course, it is missing a big part. The show feels empty. Is the problem because it's both you're missing Candy Alexander mm-hmm. and also Bill Mc, and also Phil Hartman. Mm-hmm. So it does feel uh, you don't you don't get the the camaraderie that is so essential to news radio. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, this week we are uh, going back and doing news radio for a second time. It's my first ever repeat show, but worth it for the holiday gauntlet. Uh, Yeah, this week on Must Have Seen TV, we're talking about the news radio episode Halloween. It is the fifth or seventh episode of season three, depending on if you go by production order or air date order. It was written by Sam Johnson and Chris Marcel and directed by Tom Sharones. Here is how Amazon describes the episode. It is up to Lisa and Dave to get the staff primed to attend Jimmy's annual Halloween party. Alejandro, how accurate is that description? I think that's pretty accurate. That's basically all that happens. There are subplots, yeah. but they all operate within the orbit of that of that thing happening. Yeah. People don't go off in their separate directions. It's pretty, it is pretty much a straightforward episode. And then they uh, attend the party for the back half of the episode. Yeah, that's about it. The, yeah. <laughs> uh, so like, the cold open is all of them again around that table doing vague office stuff. Timesheets. Yeah. Okay, now I talked to the people in payroll and they said if you get your timesheets in on Tuesday, that they can get Excuse your Excuse me. And every time that he pops up throughout the rest of the episode and he's looking at a clipboard, I'm assuming he's looking at timesheets. Yeah, he's, t- he's still trying to get those timesheets in on Wednesdays. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but their meeting is interrupted because all these like, more and more outlandish characters keep walking by to like find Jimmy. And it's like a snake delivery guy. Then a guy with a chainsaw and bowling pins, mm-hmm. assuming a juggling act. And then a mime that is played by News Radio executive producer Joe Fury, I do believe. Really? Yes. Huh. He also is the guy that did the one man news radio uh, shorts that are the, the they're bonus features on all the DVDs. He, I've never like, seen those. So like they're really funny because they're shot on like via like a VHS camcorder. I think it's like after a Friday night taping. He would stay around me with one other person running the camera and then just reenact like a basically like condensed five minute episode of news radio with him playing all the parts, just wearing like a sweatshirt and jeans. Or if it's Beth, he would like roll up the sweatshirt so you could see his stomach. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, he and so he is the mind in this. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, because what would a, what would a Halloween party be without a, a snake and a mime and a, and a psychic and a chainsaw and a juggler. juggling act? <laughs> That's a Jimmy James party, definitely. Definitely. Uh, and yeah, and, and then uh, the psychic comes. The, so like, there's also a psychics. Um, there are like, I mean, there are like basically two subplots in this episode. Well, I tracked them as uh, as uh, what is it? The a plot is them getting to go to this Halloween party and yeah. Dave, Dave rallying the, Dave, you know, Dave and Lisa. Lisa, Lisa like through Dave, sort of. Well, Dave and Lisa having their usual power, yeah. kind of power struggle, management, <laughs> leadership struggle. And then the subplots, I would say maybe the, the conflict between Dave and Lisa. 
yeah. which is ostensibly over leadership, which mm -hmm. at the end is revealed to be about Lisa being jealous that Dave looks better in her dress. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's maybe, that's one subplot. Yeah. Uh, Bill McNeil has a subplot about knowing exactly when he's going to die because the psychic tells him that he will die at the age of 82. Uh, March 8th. 2032 at 4:20 p.m. you will die. You see? <laughs> yeah, which and I mean now in retrospect we know that psychic was full of shit and it yeah. seems horrible to like. Yeah, Bill McNeil canonically died much younger a, than that. Which is a weird It's just weird. It makes that joke very weird in retro this whole plot very weird in retrospect. Well, uh it's funny you should mention that. I have a I have a deep take on that. Oh but it's, yeah. It possibly takes this discussion in a whole, <laughs> whole different it. direction that it might be too early in the episode to take <laughs> off on a weird tangent. I'm all for tangents. People but know what's in this episode. Psh. I just find it so funny about that subplot that Bill is like, Bill is so uh, gullible. That yeah. Bill is so, Bill is so, uh, what I, what I find interesting about him is that he's credulous, you know, and like he's gullible, but he's also arrogant. Yeah. So he thinks he's smarter than everyone, but he will believe anything if it makes him think that he's smarter than other people. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, so he allows himself to be the guy who speaks up and says, actually, she's a leading authority in the field of psychic, psychicismology or whatever. Yeah. And like that alone, like, you know, he's being contrarian. And yeah. I don't know if he really believes this stuff. When he can't go back on it. Once he says, like, well, I believe she's a, you know, a leading site, whatever. And then she gives him that reading. He can't all of a sudden be like, well, she is full of crap. I actually don't know anything. I was lying. Like, or, yeah, or even if this troubles him or not, I think he, he painted himself into a corner where yeah. he likes having knowledge that no other person alive has, which is yeah. the knowledge of when they will die. So he, I think that, I think he, that kind of gives him a thrill. And I think he likes knowing something that <laughs> other people don't know because that's the kind of person Bill is. Yeah. But then it also allows him to panic over it. Then again, he feels sorry about himself and maybe he's just doing that for attention because he tries to get Dave to bring him coffee. Yeah, it's so he has such a great... I, I love his performance in this episode. Like, they have this big, like, meeting in the break room where Lisa's, like, rallying all of them to finally, like, go wear costumes. And they all leave and Bill doesn't go and then Dave's like, why are you, why are you doing it? He's not going to rush out and get a costume, Bill? Oh, maybe you didn't hear. I'm terminal. <laughs> I'm terminal. <laughs> like, I'm terminal. <laughs> and he's like, I only have 36 more years to live. Yeah, because he's going to die at age 82, probably of old age. Yeah. <laughs> so I love that. And I love him getting, uh, like, finding an old woman to, like, be with. Yeah, and, and uh, his costume, the only costume they don't really identify by name, but it's sort of an uh, officer yeah. of the Revolutionary War. Yeah, he's just a Revolutionary War guy. The, the idea that kept, that kept uh, occurring to me is that maybe he's dressed as Alexander Hamilton, who's notably the only founding father who kind of died before his time. Yeah, oh, Who died yeah. young. <laughs> so I think maybe he's fixated on this idea of dying. And that's also like, you know, way before Hamilton mania. So again, well, Bill sure. knowing something that no one else knows at the time. <laughs> sure. Uh, These costumes are going to be really popular one day. And I will bring it up uh, now, as I did in the previous News Radio episode, that Phil Hartman is so fucking handsome. <laughs> I have always had a huge crush on him. I think this is, he's so handsome in this he, episode. He carries off that military uniform I, I, this, great That's specifically style. it. It's like him in that fucking military, that Alexander Hamilton Revolutionary wore those like knee-high boots. The, and the tail's like tin, pinned up in the back. Like, like... When, he, when he calls for the DJ <laughs> to play. Maestro, if you please, rump shaker, some reasonable facsimile. <laughs> 
And then he, like, busts a move for, like, literally a millisecond before they smash cut to all the women, like, dragging him back into the office to talk sense to him. It's, he is so, uh, I don't know, foxy? Is that a- <laughs> So that, that's what this podcast is all about. And if you aren't comfortable with it, why are you listening? And you know, in my, uh, I think News Radio, has, it certainly is one of my very favorite shows of all time and yeah. it has some of the most quotable lines of all time oh, yeah. and many of them are bills for example one of my favorites is i stand still dave the conclusions jump to me yeah <laughs> but this but this is one of their all-time tough you know maestro if you please rump, rump shaker sh- <laughs> or reasonable effects <laughs> because they can't afford the rights to rump shaker of course that's it's also, a joke, that's such like... a cool like breaking of the fourth wall right there <laughs> yep. also just like, that's so fucking good um i, I want to talk about the the whole uh, the thing that kickstarts this whole the whole plot is that the party's coming up. All the staff is like, yeah, last year's party was great. Open bar, buffet, helicopter rides. Yeah. All super excited about it. But then Jimmy James is like, well, none of you. Are it's gonna- not about money. See, every year I throw a wild Halloween party, right? And every year the staff from WNYX nearly ruins it for me. Well, how exactly do they do that? Well, they, they don't get into the Halloween spirit. They're, they're too hip to wear costumes or bob for apples or do my special spooky version of the hokey pokey. So, well, the costumes that they wore last year, Joe walked around in his tiptoes and went as Joe's taller brother. Uh, Bill didn't wear socks and went as Guy Without Socks. <laughs> <laughs> so that brings me to my point of, we're not these people, right? Like, we aren't the kind of... Oh, certainly not. Yeah. And when I, it, this is this is a recurring theme of Halloween sitcom episodes is the party pooper that is reluctant to wear a costume. I once went to work at my job in the daytime as a Ghostbuster. Yeah. That is how much I love Halloween. Yes. I, uh, I worked at, we both worked at Wizard Magazine mm-hmm. at different times. So when I was there on Halloween, I won the office costume contest. Oh, wow. Um, I that was my year. I was a new mutant, a new mutant, a I, generic I, new mutant. Yeah, I, I was myself as a new mutant. <laughs> so I wore the like the black bodysuit with like the yellow shorts and the yellow stripe. That's incredible. And uh, the red belt, and then I made buccaneer boots by like buying yellow socks, and then the t-shirt that I cut to make the chest stripe. I used those sleeves and turned them into the like foldover things for the buccaneer boots. That's incredible. So yeah, and it was uh, everyone. I won. It was a very personal costume yeah. because it was you. It was like was... last year when I was Guy Incognito, I still wore glasses, you know, because I wear glasses. Yeah. And somebody pointed out to me, Guy Incognito doesn't wear glasses. And I said, no, this is my Guy Incognito. He's my exact double. Yeah. He's not, he's not Homer's <laughs> exact double. Yeah, see? It's like a uh, uh, low high concept. <laughs> yep. It's like just a little bit higher than high, low, higher than low. Um, so that, but that's all these characters are cool kids. Like they get into this conversation. Okay. All right. This is just like high school. All right. In high school, we all like sitting at the cool table in the cafeteria, right? That's yeah. Right. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Everybody here got to sit at the cool table. <laughs> what was that like? It was cool. Except Maddie. Which reminds me, that's when we were talking about subplots earlier. That is another subplot. Mm, although yeah. really it's like a micro plot. Yeah. It's which like a is that, joke. that last year he was a motorcycle enthusiast yeah. who won third prize for his costume, quote unquote, gay biker. Yeah. <laughs> and this year he dresses as a construction worker. Alien autopsy coroner. Uh, little devil. Old pretty ballerina. Queen of England. Gay construction worker. <laughs> And so that's sort of the arc of his of his uh, journey in this episode. <laughs> and then at the end, he's 
jokingly almost awarded gayest, gayest costume. costume. So like that's a I mean we can we can talk about that for a hot second. How well does that it's like how well does that age or am I being a does it's fine or am I being like a it's like a one of those I think there's definitely pick your battles kind of thing. No, I think there's definitely stuff there that you can dissect. Yeah. Uh I think the Personally, I think it's okay, but this is personal opinion only. But yeah. but for example, the reasons I I think it's okay are like when Matthew gets quote unquote awarded gayest costume, he's he's miffed, you know, like he's he he shows up that he does he's I, I don't know it's he's not a construction worker. Uh, I don't he know where like, I was going with that point actually. It's it's well no, but it's such a like weird. It's a, I think it's a really interesting time capsule of what was liberal in 1996 and what is now liberal now. Because I think, like, back then, that's, that, yeah, that's a liberal. Like, the, the fact that they're even, like, mentioning gay characters is in its own weird way progressive and inclusive I was gonna, for the mid-90s. I was going to make some very subtle distinction with that example, and I, and I completely lost the thread, and now I can't remember what it was. But there are other things that I would call out, which were also that, like... Uh, with the with the cross dressing theme, of course, yeah. we haven't brought up at all that Dave's costume is that he dresses as a woman, right? Which at the time for me was remarkable because it was such a wonderful callback to Kids in the Hall, exactly. When Dave Foley and all the others would all dress That's as what women, we did every episode, which was amazing. All the time. And then the running joke here becomes, and and rightly so, how good Dave Foley looks dressed as a woman. Yeah, because he was easily the hottest kid in the hall in drag. Yeah, like he's. <laughs> yep, and I, then, I made a note like his legs are really good. Which Jimmy James remarks. Oh boy, Dave, I never realized you had such long, slender legs. <laughs> okay, let's go on, everybody. There's a scene where he, where him and Lisa are sitting on the couch, and his like he's folded his legs, he's crossed his legs, and he's wearing like a mini skirt, and you can basically like see all of his thigh, and it's mm -hmm. like, like okay, mm -hmm. like. But there are a damn. couple of jokes in there that I thought were, you know, they were sort of skirt they were sort of towing the line of of wince wincing but at yeah. the same time not really like when he shows up first of all Catherine loves it Catherine yeah. says you look fabulous yeah which is true yeah and then uh and then joe right away is like dude if you ever want to work some parties i know a guy I could hook you up thanks no <laughs> but he says that like so discreetly so free of judgment yeah, you know, it's like, like hey, it, man, dude, if you ever want to work some parties, no guy to hook you up. And, like, he, and these are he's talking about people he knows. There's also another episode where Joe talks about having a uh, gay friend who's who. Oh yeah, they go to the movie they go together, to the movie and they, together. He, he, but he's also like afraid people are going to think they're together. Yeah, like, but he still little, like, has a gay friend. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There's a little bit of gay panic, but but like Joe well, is a Joe's a cool guy. Yeah. Joe. There's the moment with the mime, like the mime sits down to hit yes. on Dave, and Dave is me like, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sitting here, and uh, well, I. I'm a guy. I'm a mime. <laughs> Which reminds me of, uh, what's that movie with Jack Lemmon? Uh, Some Like It Hot? Yeah, where they dress as women. Yes. The, the, famously, the final line of that movie is, I'm a man, nobody's perfect. Yeah. The, man, the man who wants to marry Jack Lemmon. Yeah. <laughs> Jack Lemmon says, I'm a man, and he says, nobody's perfect. I honestly thought nobody's perfect was going to be the mime's reaction in this. Me too. That was in my head. Yeah. It's so, like, in just the water that we drink of pop culture. Um, and then there's also a moment where what Lisa says that Dave like looks so much better in that dress like he looks like a million bucks and he says I have never been able to wear that dress because I just couldn't pull it off and now you just look like a million bucks no I look like a man in a dress which is worth at the most $150 on 9th Avenue <laughs> again like it's the thing of uh you know th th this is a liberal left-leaning progressive show 
for 1996, also for now. Mm-hmm. So therefore, you know that the context that they are making all these jokes in is not, like, malicious. Like, you know, like, news radio can make a gayest costume joke, and I'm not afraid that they, that this is a show that hates me. Well, like, they, also, they also don't award gayest costume to the man who's dressed as a woman. Right. Like, yeah. that alone is already, like, when they, when they first uh, mentioned that, when Bill first calls out that category, I thought, oh, is this going to be, like... Cross-dressing, gay panic kind yeah, of thing. Cross-dressing equals gay. But no, it's women, just, women. It's just a Matthew joke. It's just like the right. culmination of Matthew's little arc. Yeah, the thing like, and to put this in really recent context, the the fucking Netflix Punisher trailer dropped, and that to me, <laughs> like that's actually dangerous. Like that trailer doesn't have anything to do with gay people, but as a gay man, that trailer is just the trailer form of the men that I'm terrified of when I drive across country and. Like, go to a gas station. Sure. Because that trailer is just fucking male panic, violence, Metallica, unrelenting masculinity, uh, women getting murdered. And it's just like this, it, it's so uh, aggressive that it is upsetting. Well, Punisher is a very easy character to get very wrong. Yeah. Yep. To do just, that with. Yeah. And I'm hoping the show is different than the trailer. Yeah. Because I will have to watch it for work, and I don't want it to sit through 13 hours of that trailer. Yeah. So, I, re- <laughs> I really liked how they portrayed the Punisher on Daredevil. I love So that. I'm hoping it's, yeah. in, in, I hope they strike the same note, and it's yeah. more of that. So, like, but when yeah. I watch, so, like, all these jokes on news radio, I take in the context of, it's just, like, the time, <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's all... It's fine. Like the when at the end when Lisa and Dave kiss and Jimmy James walks up and be like, "Hey!" and Dave's dressed as a woman. He's like, hey. "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! What is this? Yelling DeGeneres show?" A very topical joke. <laughs> Just, super topical. She gets wasn't the out. biggest. Gets the biggest laugh from the studio audience. She was not out yet. Oh, because uh, this is because she came out in the spring of '97. So this is the same TV season where they spent a whole season. Everyone knew it was going to happen. They didn't know when. Wow. And huh. so that season of Ellen, they spent all that season leading up to it and like hinting at it. And there were a lot of just like, Ellen's in the closet looking for an outfit. Like, you know, those kind of like winky, jo- winky jokes. So that was just like, again, in the zeitgeist. And so him making that joke, the audience was like, yeah, we've heard that on Access Hollywood <laughs> Entertainment Tonight. We know that. Well, I think for an episode where the word gay is used so much, I don't don't really my my red flag is never raised right. that they're belittling anybody yeah it's just another it's just like an artifact of the mid 90s mm-hmm. uh and in a great show <laughs> in mm-hmm. a fucking great show i mean you could you could put those jokes in a sitcom today and i'm sure it would probably get a lot of little clickbait think pieces written yeah. about it yeah and but I it, think... but it would the the jokes would be as they would still toe the same line they would yeah. be as funny and it's all like again what show does them like, if a, you know, if an ABC multicam red states, like, if Last Man Standing makes those jokes, that show doesn't like me, that show doesn't, mm-hmm. that Tim Allen show doesn't want mm-hmm. me watching it, and if it makes those jokes, which I'm, it probably has made, and it's, it's long run, it was on for, like, five or six years, uh, and I didn't watch it, so I don't know if it made those jokes. Um, but anyway, <laughs> it's getting, uh, way off on important shit that I just wanted to get out of the way, mm-hmm. so we can get back to the fun shit of, uh, the cool kids at the cool kids table. Mm. I wanted to bring up Beth. Doesn't do much in this episode, but if I'm talking about news radio, I gotta talk about Beth. I fucking love Vicky Lewis. She, she, her getting a psychic reading is like the beginning and end of her subplot. Yeah, but she, everything she gets is such a thing. 
Mm -hmm. And I love, like, when she gets that fortune, or her fortune read, her, like, uh, her face, like, why you, uh, like, what's an astounding rise to fortune. It'll begin very soon. Oh, my God. Is that true? Yes, it is completely true, because I was just pre-approved for a new credit card. Oh, my God. (laughs) Even the way that, um, when they're all hanging out in the break room and Lisa says, let's take our coolness, like, to the next level, just the look on Beth's face. She's not the focus of the scene. I don't even think she has the next line. Mm-hmm. But just she's sitting on that back counter eating a Twizzler. And like the way her, you can see her like, Beth like registers like what the next level of cool. Her like eyes her get Her gears bit. are spinning. Yeah, like it's so, to see, you can look at, and this is true for most of the actors in the show. You can look at them at any time. You can see the gears in their characters' heads worrying. Except for Catherine who they largely leave off camera. Yeah, <laughs> so... <laughs> She has a really funny punchline in one scene, yeah. and it's and it's off camera. There, the camera didn't they didn't even cut to her while she delivered her great line. Yeah, it's so it's upsetting. Her refusing to wear a costume. <laughs> yeah, that's actually one thing that troubles me in this episode is in the scene in the break room when they say who's the coolest who's the coolest of all of us or whatever, and everyone immediately unanimously says Beth. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, arguably you could also say Catherine. I, I could see either of them. And then in the in the dorks chanting scene in the elevator. Dorks, 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 I looked at each of the performers, uh, especially when the elevator doors opened up again yes. and they were still clapping and chanting yes. dorks, and they each seemed like they belonged and they would be into it, except Catherine, who was just sort of... She was, like, smiling and, and playing it perfectly right, but yeah. it didn't really suit her character, I Yeah, thought. that's not... Her character game is not... She's making she, an expression not, where she's looking dumb. Yeah. And she's clapping her hands and she's chanting dorks, and I'm like, that's never Catherine. No. Um, but that moment is so good. Oh, yeah. I think I have a gif of that. I, I just... I love that dorks, 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 <laughs> yep. just chanting. And then Dave and Jimmy have a nice, decent-sized conversation uh-huh. about, like, Jimmy's like, what costume are you going to wear? It's gonna be wild. Oh, <laughs> wildest. Outrageous. Totally outrageous, yeah. What is it? <laughs> I love uh, excitable baby voice, uh, Steve. Oh, yeah, and when he's talking to the, when he's miming with the mime, yeah. and he's just like gaping, like mouth open the whole time, and he's like tapping his watch and pouring an invisible mug of coffee over his head, and the whole time he has this huge open mouth smile. Yeah. He's so good. Um, I wanted to point out that Beth is also dressed like a low-key Morticia. Huh. Because she's wearing, like, this really, like, drapey, black, fishnetty-looking thing. I think mm-hmm. she has, she might have, like, black fingernail polish. I'm like, subtle Halloween wear. Hmm. Beth, you know, I can see Beth is a seasonally appropriate dresser. Sure. Um, overall, what would you say what... So, like, I mean, what worked about this episode? <laughs> That's, like, well, everything. Well... I think if you if you reduce this to just one phrase or one nutshell, it's it's Dave Foley cross dressing, which is yeah. classic, classic. I mean, kids in the hall, you know. That's a. Uh, I remember when this episode first aired. The thing about this very episode that I was most excited about was that it felt like this is this is this guy that I know so well from the kids in the hall yeah. doing this thing again, and I love <laughs> it. I love it so much, you know. The and then and then I love how it pays off. I love that it that he looks good doing it and everyone compliments him and a bear puts his <laughs> 
puts his paw on his ass yeah. <laughs> and a mime hits on him and, yeah. and Jimmy James is driven to distraction by his long slender legs. And, and, and it makes Lisa, who Lisa has like a runner, a sub uh, plot of like body issues. In yeah, this. that was, uh, that was, that's in a way that's kind of her other subplot, but it doesn't have any resolution. No, yeah, which she's, I guess she's not a, comfortable. She doesn't want to wear a costume because yeah. it makes her look chunky or it makes her legs or make her head look weird or well, then watch just wear what you're wearing now and a mask. It's like, no, what I'm wearing now is horrible. Yeah. <laughs> and then she gets super... That's, all, that's also a really... But it, pay, it pays off well because that yeah. seems like it's just one a one-off gag. And then she gets very upset that yeah. Dave is wearing her dress. It's and then the that, that, that plays out for... Yeah, and that plays out for a couple of scenes. And then, uh, and then Dave, when they're going to finally have a discussion about it, Dave sort of preempts her and he says, look, I get it. This, you wanted to do this leadership by example thing and you're just upset because I won up to you. Yeah. And she's like, no, you look better than me. Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> it's such a great misdirect. And I think this moment, the first time I really noticed that those two things are connected. Like mm-hmm. when she's having that rant up top, that is a foreshadowing to what she gets mad about in the party, which could seem like it comes kind of out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. If you're not really paying attention and remember, oh no, they she was did. super upset about. They did set it up, yeah. And they also, when she gets upset the first time, Dave and Jimmy James kind of roll their eyes at each other and they say she's crazy. Yeah, they're like she's crazy. Yeah, they roll their eyes. And then when Dave and Lisa have that resolution, Dave says, "I'll take off the dress," and she says, "No, don't do it because then everyone will know that I got mad because I'm crazy and blah blah blah." And so that pays off too yeah yeah which is uh you know maybe that's a little troubling as well <laughs> yeah, man, that's, that doesn't age as well but again they meant well <laughs> i mean like uh wait what is okay everyone at the costume party wears we haven't run through everyone's costumes um jimmy james is one of the dead guys from field of dreams yeah i would have pegged him as a i would have pegged him as an old-time yankee or uh yeah. or babe ruth he's <laughs> wearing just a kind of gray non-pinstriped Baseball uniform. But and he gets then he, way more and specific. He, yeah, and he says, one of those dead guys from Field of Dreams. <laughs> good joke. That's a really yeah. good z- zigzag zog, as he says in this episode as well. Uh, then Joe is one of those UFO uh, alien autopsy doctors. He's just wearing like a doctor's coat and a, and a uh, yeah, the mirror reflector, reflector thing on his forehead. But a, yeah, alien autopsy coroner. Yeah. And then uh, Lisa is a little devil. <laughs> As Jimmy James says. Which she later drops the trident and sheds the horns and she's just wearing a red sweater. Yeah. For the rest of the episode. Looking like normal. She'd go to work in that. Uh, and then Beth is a ballerina. Yeah. Pretty ballerina. Which I feel is... Is she, that She on? puts her... She gets on tiptoes and puts her hands up yeah. above her head to help Jimmy James identify is the that, idea. Is that... Does that fit with her? Well, I think it... Uh, when you were talking earlier about how she dressed, I thought it's funny in light of that that she dresses as a ballerina because it's sort of flying in the face of of her style. Yeah, it's I unlike mean, her style. I guess you could see because, like, on a normal day is Halloween for her. She wears insane stuff. Mm-hmm. She she uh, shreds the dress code. She's never even like she doesn't know that there is a dress code. Mm-hmm. She doesn't care. Um, but also, dress codes are usually sexist towards women, so maybe she should give it the middle finger and do whatever mm-hmm. she wants because mm-hmm. it's her body. And uh, she does. She's not controlled what men think. Men need to learn how to control themselves. Beth very, forever. Very true. <laughs> um, so, but it's weird that she's a ballerina. Well, the, all the costumes they're wearing are like, they literally went to the costume store that day. Yeah, or like their own. Because isn't Catherine, Catherine is just Queen of England. And she's, I think, just wearing, 
She's wearing a tiara and what gloves. What she was normally wearing, but tiara and gloves, and maybe right. she wore, like, and a, a scepter or a sash. Yeah, she has a scepter, I think. So, like, yeah, she got bought some accessories. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matthew was a gay construction worker. But these are, like, the costume versions of when a sitcom would have a can of beer that said beer on the front. Right, yeah. You know, like... You can't do anything that's actually... You can never... That's the one... They're, that's the, they're all store-bought costumes, and they're not even, like, a knockoff Beetlejuice costume. Yeah. They're just generic profession costumes. Well, it's like... And in The Office, when they do Halloween episodes, there's one where, like, Dwight is a Sith Lord... But he has to have just like a black robe and a hood and just like a generic. I don't even know if it's a red lightsaber. It might just be like a generic like laser. That's the weird thing about mm. copyright and shit is mm-hmm. you can't. These shows actually can't do super accurate Halloween costumes sometimes because mm-hmm. copyright stuff. Because I feel like like Beth would probably be. I don't know. Um, okay, Betty Page. Yeah. Uh, Cindy Lauper. Uh, I think she'd be like. She'd, she'd show up wearing something really trashy and she'd be like, oh, I'm a sex worker who was murdered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess you're doing that. <laughs> but I guess she does, like, the way that Jimmy James dotes on her is very, like, she is, like, his little girl in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So she does, in a weird way, Beth is the little, she is sometimes the little sister, the innocent of the show in a weird way. That's only, a good point. Only when they need her to be, because she's also very aggressive and sexual and weird so mm-hmm. but that <laughs> multifaceted you know, not that those things are mutually exclusive right yeah she's just kind of everything mm-hmm. um yeah so what doesn't work about this episode uh loaded well, question i i'm i feel like a lot of news radio episodes they don't necessarily give Catherine a lot to do which yeah. is sad it's now running uh theme that we've never mentioned yeah. twice in this podcast yeah. is yeah. not giving her enough and 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 Candy Alexander is such a talented performer, yeah. and she was so funny, so great at deadpan. Yeah. And uh, sometimes she has real moments to shine throughout the throughout the show, but most of the time it's just she's quiet, she's mad. Yeah. Mm. And it's she's not in like, the background. I mean, I guess like this is a like larger cast. Is a cast of eight. Uh, so it is like a larger cast, but I yeah, mean, like you can't keep people stuff to do Cheers every had episode. Cheers a cast of one, two, three, four, five, seven, seven to nine usually. So mm-hmm. it's they never they never got into a rotation. Like there are certain characters that never got like an off episode. Like Bill, Dave, and Lisa never or get always. off episodes. They're yeah. always in the A plot or A or B. And then everyone and else... It's, and it's easy. I'm sure for the writers, it's easy to write jokes for Matthew. It's yeah. easy to write jokes for Beth. Uh, Catherine is a more understated character, maybe. Yeah, and that, uh, that also... But, I mean, like, even I... We figured out in the last podcast, like, well, her character game is that she's intense, she's very high status, anything you can do to, like, undermine... And in this episode, when she's, like, not in your life, will I wear a costume? Mm-hmm. It's a funny line, so put the camera on her. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, you know, they're probably doing that, like, live cutting from camera to camera. And, yeah, and they, maybe, didn't, yeah. they didn't get a good one that take. Yeah. And they just, they just, well, we'll, we'll live with it. Yeah. You know, they just sort of went with it. And this isn't anything that, like, those writers knew that. I mean, like, this isn't like we're calling them out or anything. Yeah, like, they yeah. were totally, like, they, they was a uh, hard It's also, balance. She, I think she has a great character, but it's it's a character that only really comes into contrast in conflict with other characters, right. maybe. So she has a lot of great scenes in other episodes arguing with Bill. Mm-hmm. Or, or trying to negotiate with Dave or, you know, w- yeah. work type stuff. But it only comes out in dialogue scenes where there has to be more focus on her. Mm-hmm. Whereas Matthew could pop into the background of any scene and, and say yeah. something and become a punchline. 
this episode has one of the, the, the season three tradition of every cold open ending with a dumb Matthew physical gag. <laughs> Which he does so well. Which jumping is, up on the... There's a snake that is loose and they don't know it. And he keeps saying, like, stop tickling my leg. And Beth's like, I'm not taking your leg. She gets up. And then, okay, well, we're going to go. And everyone gets up. Or, what, or no, the guy comes back and he's like, does anyone see my steak? Everyone bolts back. He looks down and then jumps and like leaps onto the table and just which is covered in papers mm-hmm. like they're in the middle of a meeting and it's and then it uh it smash cuts to the opening credits a second early i feel like any other huh. show would show him like jumping completely off the table he hmm. like gets up it's like a half a beat and then it cuts and mm. it's a really weird jarring off kilter edit which is news radio i mm-hmm. think uh is it i mean that's the thing with watching this what doesn't work is too funny. I don't know. Like everything, everything. It's so good. Bill's Bill's story. I alluded to this earlier. Bill's story is a little confusing because it's yeah. because it's. I mean, it's funny. Of course, it's funny. It's well written, and Phil Hartman is so funny. But Bill's story is that like he's falling so stupidly for something that is so yeah. obviously untrue. But then that just gets to the heart of maybe maybe if Bill McNeil had been a different performer all along, this character wouldn't work as well. But Phil Hartman makes it work that his arrogance knows no bounds. Yeah. Like he he his arrogance is so great that is that it's capable of making him so so stupid. I mean, falling in this, love with an eighty something year old woman who turns out to not be. Well, the fact that he believes the when the when the psychic transparently says to him, "Oh yeah, guess what? You're gonna live to be two hundred eighty-two," and he still yeah. believes that. <laughs> but that's uh uh you know like if this show were on the air today. And Bill McNeil were still alive in, within, within the show. If Phil Hartman were still alive, you know, Bill McNeil would be a Trump voter. Like that's ah. that's the because he's a contrarian because he believes oh, yeah, because he believes reason, things yeah. and like the fact that he believes things and he and he hates women and he would be the guy who's like he would be the guy who's like no cold of course cold jobs are going to come back and he would absolutely go along with that. Meanwhile, Dave and Lisa would be Hillary supporters yeah. and that would be like the whole conflict of an episode. Jimmy James would be asking for voting advice. Well, Jimmy James would be running, probably. Again. Yeah, yeah, as he did in this season. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, is there anything else about this? I mean, like, I think that's like rewatching this. I've seen it so many times. I still laugh out loud. So many. It's unusual how much I, this show makes me laugh out loud, I think, compared mm. to most other shows. I think, like, the jokes are so... Un- like, um, they're so unusual in particular... And like specifically, when the psychic is reading Matthew, like, oh, you gotta do it. She's so real. Oh, yeah. And she's like, oh, you have oh, to. you're a cat person, aren't you? Such a cat person. <laughs> you see? You have two cats. Yes, I do. And their names are, uh, let's see, uh, they're cute, silly names. Oh, no, th- no, I'm sorry. It's way off. Names would shoot you in mitt mitt. Nice try, though. That's so weird. Yeah, and he's so, so upset. He's so like, no, no, this reading is over. Yeah. Is That's it? another thing I noticed is I think that if you just read the script of this, it isn't as funny. It's still funny. There's some really good jokes. But this is such a performer show because mm-hmm. it's a lot of the the way they all deliver their lines in such specific cadences and affectations Body language, facial expressions, it's all... Because I mean, Stephen, like, Jimmy James's whole thing is, inner, like, his physicality and, like, the way that he says lines that if anyone else said those lines, they said them straight. Mm-hmm. That's not funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But 
the way that like Beth can turn a lot of like I just got approved for a credit card and like nail like all the gravitas and the weight of like oh my god and like the way her whole body goes into it mm-hmm. but as it should be you know like yeah, any any perfect. any kind of show it starts with the writing and then the performers have to come and find the characters yeah. and then shape the characters and then once that you know once they find their legs then the writers maybe start writing for those characters as as they have been created yeah. by the actors and you can you can you can play this kind of head game with like think about other shows and if they had been cast differently like mm-hmm. imagine if Cheers had been cast differently it could have not worked I mean right. these these things are very it's all like a puzzle box it's yeah. all a uh... and every once in a while you see a show or a movie where you where you kind of like sense that like oh this could have been really great if if two or three different choices had been made here you yeah know, like if this had been like like for example like when they shot when you know they were doing Back to the Future with Eric Stoltz yes and they yeah. shot for five weeks and then they were like this just isn't working and they replaced him. And, Michael and, J. Fox working nights. You can hear all about this actually on our Family Ties episode with Ari. Yes, Scott. yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it and uh, it's incredible that like first of all that they had the, the the you know like the gall the stones to be like we're just gonna throw out five, five weeks, weeks of worth production of, like half of every scene probably for mm-hmm. doing coverage mm-hmm. like the bravery to be like yeah we should absolutely completely start over. And also fire poor Eric Stoltz, who I'm sure was doing a perfectly fine yeah. job. It just wasn't different movie, gelling. different tone. Yeah, and you get Michael J. Fox, and like, yeah, that. Yeah, and then it's so history. perfect. History. Imagine if they had finished that movie with Eric Stoltz, it probably would have come yeah. and gone. Yeah, would have been forgotten. Well, it's even true with news radio, where like, I mean, Ray Romano was originally in Joe's role, and oh, they wow. did like they huh. they like did table reads for the pilot, and it's like Ray Romano is his whole thing is being like low energy. It's mm-hmm. a funny low energy. Everybody loves Raymond. It's a good show, but he's not. Joe is. He can talk as fast as everyone else, and has also a very quick, aggressive. He's a quick, aggressive performer. Mm-hmm. He's not the best performer. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you get him because he like brings this like intensity. Mm-hmm. There are so many. There are so many uh, plot points that hinge on you believing that Joe Garelli and Joe Rogan can beat someone up. <laughs> And on a sitcom, it is very rare to find the sitcom actor that you think, yeah, they could fuck someone up. <laughs> and Joe Rogan can... Like, the episode, the awards episode, which I think is a couple episodes after this, mm-hmm. where he, like, gets into a fight with Bob Costas. <laughs> and the joke of that is Bob Costas, like, flips him. Um, because, like, Joe Rogan, like, takes off his jacket and wearing, like, a sleeveless tuxedo shirt and, like, yeah. cuffs. Great. Um... And yet he's also like a conspiracy nut and a nerd and a big Star Wars nerd. Yeah, that's the other like <laughs> crazy thing is his whole conspiracy thing. I watched that alien autopsy thing. Like I was all on board for that oh, shit boy. in 1996. <sighs> I loved all that. All that like mid to late 90s alien conspiracy. I watched uh, S- Strange Universe ever- in syndication every day during the summers. It came on in the afternoon and wow, it was hosted wow. by a Chopra, I think. Like the son of Deepak Chopra. Really? I think. Hmm. Um, and it was all about, like, ghosts and aliens and shit, and I loved it. I think it was called Strange Universe. Um, I'm not sure. Anyway, we can get some trivia section. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. 
So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Trivia realness. Um, Let's hear it. Yeah, so this is a 90s show, so I can go deep into the ratings. I like found out all sorts of shit about the ratings. Um... So 12.1 million people watched this specific episode. Wow. Which is a lot. <laughs> like, that's a huge hit today. Uh-huh. Um, it was second for its time slot, which was Wednesdays at 9 at this point, because news radio was all over the place. Oh, yeah. Its time slots. Right. This was its Wednesday night. Um, it was second in its time slot after uh, Grace Under Fire. Wow. So, timestamp. <clears throat> it actually beat Party of Five and Star Trek Voyager in the ratings. But those were hmm. Fox and UPN, which were always, like, at that time, were pretty much always, like, lower rated. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not surprised it beat Voyager, I guess. You know, <laughs> yeah, well, that's a, a neat a, a sitcom, a very funny sitcom on the big three networks. Yeah. More than a Star Trek show on a additional network. Yeah, additional. that not even everyone probably had. Yeah. I mean, for a long time, I had to watch the WB on WGN. Because like the we had WGN and it just carried. Um, does WGN still exist? Yeah, because they just did that. Uh, they did Underground, right? And they did that like atomic bomb testing drama. Oh, I mean, isn't this a this is a local station, right? WGN is like a local Chicago station, but it became like it was a national cable channel or something, mm. and they got into prestige dramas because I would see them on. Um, subway ads, like subway ads in New York for really. I think I think it was WGN. I don't. You're blowing my mind. I know. And now because <laughs> now I'm thinking I have not seen WGN in a decade or more, and I was like, that I mean, was... I always thought it was something local, like WPIX or whatever, which is a no, New York, yeah, which yeah. is a New York thing. But that was like a local NBC affiliate or whatever. Yeah, it was. I mean, WGN is a Chicago. It was a Chicago local channel that I had in Tennessee. Because huh. it was like, it was just, and it was a uh, over-the-air station because it was the W, it was the WB, like, uh, at like 7 p.m. Central Time, it would switch over to the WB, and that's how I watched Buffy for a couple years before mm-hmm. we got a dedicated WB station. Mm-hmm. Weird shit. That's um, how I used to watch Fox when uh, Simpsons first Oh, really? What, what did it used to be? I, well, in Puerto Rico, it was like, airtime. it was sharing oh. airtime with some local, like, cable access station. And then the cable access channel folded went out of business and then there was no more fox in puerto rico holy shit and i i I was hooked on the simpsons by then and i had to miss from like season two to season four jeez that's those are are good heartbreaking yeah (laughs) um so for wednesday night on the whole um while i was only second in the time slot it was seventh that night uh the drew carey show was number one that night and it had 20.2 million viewers of course so Drew, Drew Carey, Carey show was a big hit. Was a huge hit. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so for the week, for the whole week, this episode of News Radio was number 52 for the week. Wow. <laughs> Which is pretty bad. Do you remember what the Wednesday night lineup was? Like what oh, it came on NBC. after? Oh, I should have written the, written it down. Um, I, I have no, I can't, I have no recollection. Yeah, I can't remember what it was for that night. Uh, man, no. Do I, hold on. If I still have it in my trash pile, I can look it up. Nope, I don't. Oh, I, I, never should have, I never should have brought this up. <laughs> oh, well, guys, uh, look it up yourselves. <clears throat> um, for the week, the top five shows that week. Um, so News Radio was 52. Number five was Friends. Number four was Suddenly Susan. Oh. Surprising. Three was Home Improvement. Two was Seinfeld. One was ER. So nice. that is the must-see TV lineup, basically, and Home Improvement. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's what the glory days were. Oh, don't let them pass you by. I've I mean, done that twice now. You know, we're kind of there again, except it's except it's spread out everywhere. Yeah, it's like you know, watching on Hulu. Yeah, yeah. I, I like watching Difficult People on Hulu, followed by Master of None on Netflix, and then I go watch Great News on NBC proper. Yeah, you could still watch A Good Place on NBC. Yeah, which I did last night. Um, I haven't seen this one yet. <clears throat> New good season. stuff. Yeah. Uh, I love that show. So it's it's everybody watch a good place. Yes, please keep <laughs> it around for many years because they can burn through plot. Yeah, you'll get a hundred episodes worth of plot in one episode, and that's great. Yeah. Um, that's the other thing is like NBC actually toyed around with the idea of doing must see TV again this year because they're bringing Will and Grace back. They're having a four like back to back comedy night on Thursdays of I think it's I think it's Good Place, Great News, Will and Grace, and Superstore. Um, and they were gonna, like, brand it Musty TV and relaunch it and stuff, but then they bailed on that. Sometimes I just think, you know, imagine if Seinfeld's still on TV with all new Modern episodes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Wait, was that, uh, wait, 30 Rock did that joke? No, that's, uh, that's, uh, Seinfeld 2000 on Twitter. Oh, yeah, yeah. Big but... running, uh, running gag. <clears throat> There was, there's, a, there's a 30 Rock joke where they were going to, like, re-edit new Seinfeld episodes from old ones. Oh, and, God. and start airing those with, like, CG and shit. <laughs> I don't remember that. Yeah. Um, so, on IMDb, 93 users rated this episode an 8.1. Would you go higher or lower? Or I think that's that about... Money? No, I think that's about right. Uh, you know, when I think of some of my favorite news radio episodes, they're, like, 9s and 10s, and they're wall-to-wall. Mm -hmm. -wall. And this and this episode has a lot of big laughs and all yeah. of that. So, yeah, Consi it's a solid 8-something. Consistently big laughs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't drag. It has a good. It moves at a good clip. A news radio episode always is going to move mm -hmm. really quickly. There isn't as much um, like back and forth and the, all the plots fighting for attention. It's kind of a. It is more of a one act in a way. Uh, yeah, I was going to say it's almost like a bottle episode, but then almost all episodes are like bottle episodes because yeah. they hardly ever leave the radio station. There is one moment where it's when um when. Uh, uh, when Candy Alexander's character is Catherine, I blanked on her name. For, when Catherine and Beth like drag Bill mm -hmm. back into the thing to talk, as soon as they leave, Dave and Lisa then run in and we follow them, which mm -hmm. is one of the only examples of the classic like news radio frantic running around pace in yeah. this episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say eight point one. I, w I mean, I would go eight point two. I don't know. Like <laughs> there are there are. <laughs> For me, as a, as far as the, this is a good plot overall. As far as standalone mm -hmm. moments, this doesn't really have any standalone moments except for the image of Dave 
being yeah. being kids in the holiday and dressing as a woman. Whereas some episodes are like there are individual scenes and gags in other episodes that are lifelong tattooed in my brain, yeah. like <laughs> like the uh, like the uh, editing the the baseball promo bit yeah. from that episode that is priceless, and the um, uh, the uh, oh man, I'm blanking on the other one. I was going to give as an example. <laughs> I guess it's not that indelible after all. Yeah, fuck it. No. Um, <laughs> Well, I always think about Matthew as... Oh, wait. Uh, how could I forget? This episode has one of the best moments of all time. Maestro, if you please. Yes. Rum shaker yeah. or it's, some reason like effects him away. Bill doing the cabbage <laughs> patch in, Renaissance, in a Revolutionary War garb. Also, I love... This is also one reason why I'm, it's so hot is because... Like, okay, men in uniforms, hot. Just almost in general, like, hot. Uh, so Revolutionary War, hot. But fucking powder wigs, not hot. That's like, right. Literally at all. And he He omitted that. He so it's weird because it's like Bill McNeil is like, well, I'm gonna wear a costume, but I'm not gonna go that far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's still the cool weird. kids, of course. Yeah, because so like it would further his point about um being old. That's and true. like cause I feel like he's wearing the Revolutionary War costume because like time and like he's old. He's like, so like yeah, you would, should wear a powder wig that would prove his point even more, like I belong with this old lady. No, he's just like, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. And so therefore he just looks very, very... And he's handsome. still very vain. God, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's also, I mean, like, um, I think I went through the, all the different Bill hairstyles in the last news radio. This is like primo Bill, because it's like side part glasses. You know what? I, earlier good, good I was... Bill, th- good Bill. Earlier I was theorizing that he dresses as a Revolutionary War officer because maybe... Because maybe Alexander Hamilton died yeah. famously in a duel at a young age. Maybe he's just joking about, like, being a Revolutionary War officer would make him, like, 200 years old. Maybe that's just a joke. Oh, wait, and well, that's also a good call forward, right? Like, to the, yeah, yeah to the reveal. Well, just the, yeah, true. But yeah. just the idea that he feels like he's an old person and yeah, death, and death is imminent. And so he's, he's terminal now. <laughs> uh, who would you say had the must-see performance in this episode? I mean, well, strong, strong, strong runner-up is Jimmy James. Always Stephen Root is so yeah, wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also Phil Hardman, but... In this episode, I just I have to go with Dave Foley, and yeah. he doesn't even have to work that hard. He just looks He's so good doing his normal thing. Yeah, when he when he tries to run in heels, <laughs> yeah, that is really like good. It, he casts a self conscious glance around. Yeah, some people are there; they're gonna see him. He, he sort of he sort of gasps, you know, he sort of sighs. He's just like ah, and then he just runs in heels. Saunter runs. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah, priceless. I want to give it to Bill, and I was gonna give it to. Bill, but I think the fact that I've talked so much about him is enough. I will give it to Dave. Yeah, because he really does. Like this is really his episode. It's his episode to lose, and he doesn't lose it. Mm. Um, he's really good at being the straight man and also the unusual thing at the same time, mm-hmm. which is a very hard line to to fall to. Sure. Um, to... Like when he has that whole line where he, where he's talking to the man in the bear co- or the person in the bear yeah. costume, yeah, and he's like, they're just having a conversation, and he's just like, oh yeah, vice president, or well, he's he's, he's like, talking about president. Senator Dole. Senator he's Dole like, if Senator Dole, blah blah media. blah, and I'm like, beat. Now, if you would please just get your hand off my ass, your paw. Yeah. <laughs> it's very hard to be a straight man and also deliver solid jokes. Yeah. Because people mistakenly think the straight man doesn't give jokes. A straight man is sort of poo-poo things and stop the action and, like, be the fuddy-duddy. But you have, like, your great straight men like Bob Newhart, like mm-hmm. Dave Foley, who can, like, ring jokes out of <laughs> being the grounding force amidst the crazies. Mm-hmm. It's great. 
Uh, must other people see this episode? Well, I'm such a news radio partisan. I say yes. I yeah. say people have to watch all of news radio. Obviously. But if you're just going to watch a few episodes, yeah, this is a really strong one. I yeah. think that, yeah, I think this gives you um, what I love about this episode, which I think it is a must see episode, and I think that if you're going to watch a news radio episode, this is a good one to watch because I think that it's while it is very Dave, Bill, Lisa heavy. There are enough really solid moments of the entire ensemble, like that break room scene and the entire, mm-hmm. like, dorks, 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 and yes. then the cool table scene at the party that really capture the fun vibe of, new- like, um, Arcade, the other episode we talked about, Joe and Matthew aren't really in it that much, and they don't really have much to do, and Beth either. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that they're that they are in this episode more and it is, does have more of an ensemble vibe while still being heavy about certain characters makes me want to recommend it and i do arcade more than this one or i recommend this one one more than arcade oh yeah Uh, yeah, yeah. if you want to get a sense of the ensemble nature of the show this one is much more of an ensemble episode than arcade definitely but then there are episodes like for example that one when uh, jimmy james goes fishing and he leaves behind that radio radio box of himself or whatever yeah that might be my all-time favorite episode i'm not sure i i do have to do a rewatch of everything soon yeah Maybe I'll finally watch those John Lovitz episodes. You should. Eh, I just, it's also, I just don't really care much for John Lovitz these days. No, I mean, also he, they never settled on what his character was, which mm-hmm. is the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just, he's just too whatever the scene needs him to be. And I think one of his big games is just being a liar. And it's like, well, that isn't a funny game because there has to be a basis of truth that you can then contrast off of. Mm-hmm. Or you have to justify the lying. It's a thing. Also, John Lovitz was in the show before that. Twice. Yeah. <laughs> in two other episodes. And it would have been better if they had made him maybe one of those characters come yeah. back. Yeah. Because that would have given him more of a uh, concrete character to play. Um, but yeah, that is it for the first episode of the Holiday Gauntlet. Talking about Halloween. We both survived the experience. The funk of 40,000 years. <laughs> uh, where can people find you on the internet if they want to talk to you about Halloween and or news radio? Uh, I'm on Twitter. My Twitter handle is AlejandroBot. That is Alejandro with the letters B-O-T just added <laughs> at the end. A little lovely robot portmanteau. And uh, yeah, that's about it. I'm not on most other social media at all anymore. So. Yeah, is that that? Well, that's the one that matters. For me. Yeah, that's yeah. the one. Yeah, that's where you get your, your digs in, right? Uh, <laughs> that's the one where <laughs> I live, kicks. yeah. Get your kicks. Yeah. But I, I invite everyone to look for me there because I love it very much. Hooray! And that does it for this week's episode of Must Have Seen TV. Thanks again to my guest Alejandro Arbona for dropping by and running the holiday gauntlet with me this week and talking about news radio. Next week, this Halloween celebration continues. I will be discussing the Adams Family episode, Halloween with the Adams Family. Halloween with the Adams Family is in season one. It is episode seven of that awesome show, and you can stream the Adams Family on Hulu, or you can buy the episode on Amazon or iTunes. One more reminder, if you would like to donate to relief efforts in Puerto Rico, please check out AlejandroBot on Twitter. His pinned tweet has links to all sorts of charities that you can donate to that will also be retweeted on the Must Have Seen TV Twitter page at Must Have Seen TV. So that's at AlejandroBot and at Must Have Seen TV. 
until then, you can send in questions about these sitcoms that we watch on the show or any sitcoms we've never talked about on the show to musthaveseentv at gmail.com. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr at musthaveseentv. If you like what you've heard, I beg and plead with you to rate and review the show on iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Brett White. You can read the words that I write at decider.com. You can also check out my sitcom t-shirts and stickers at tpublic.com slash user slash Brett White. Today's special spooky theme song is A Stroll Through Hive Manor Corridors by The Hives. Thanks to ACAST for hosting the podcast. Thanks to all y'all for listening. And I will see y'all next week on Must Have Seen TV. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.